Hello, and welcome to Philosophy and the Meaning of Life. I'm Professor Benjamin Kozlowski, and I will be serving as your professor this semester in our online section of this class. Um, the bad news is there's been a bit of a clerical error, and while I realize that this, the class's title is Philosophy and the Meaning of Life, um, I will not actually be able to explain in definitive terms exactly why this whole 2020 COVID political nightmare that we're all living through is actually happening. Um, sorry, folks. I, I know that a lot of people have been coming to philosophy classes expecting answers. Uh, the bad news is that we philosophers are actually way more experienced at asking questions. Um, and if it all goes well, I'll be able to train you to do the same. And there's a certain amount of solace in that at the end of the day. Um, but in all seriousness, I realize that we're in a really ugly situation right now. Um, I want to sort of preface this whole conversation about what the class is going to look like with an acknowledgement of that. Um, just the fact that you are willing to sign up for this course, willing to take a go at it, like kudos to you, sirs and madams. Um, I am truly impressed because, you know, just peeking out of your door, like getting out of bed in the morning has become so much more difficult over the past year and a half or so. Um, like just being a human being right now sucks on so many levels. And I realize that this is not ideal. Um, originally when this class was scheduled, my plan was to have it as sort of like a dual partially in class, partially online hybrid with options for like whatever you wanted to do. Um, but the powers that be have spoken and we are going to be doing this class entirely online this semester. And honestly, I can't blame them. Like that seems like the smarter move at this point. Um, I totally understand why, you know, you have to have college classes on like mechanics or science on campus where there are facilities for these sorts of things. But I'm honestly totally behind the humanities taking place online until we get this whole COVID thing locked down. Um, so on the one hand, I'm disappointed. Like I would rather have met you face to face. I think that teaching works a lot better when, you know, you're physically in the presence of students and can physically interact with them. Um, but on the other hand, you know, it's not worth somebody's life. Um, and I just like, I would absolutely not be able to live with myself if I thought that I had somehow contributed to the death of one of my students. Um, like I take you, your safety very seriously. I take your mental health seriously. I take your physical health seriously. I do not want to jeopardize that. Um, my whole like identity as a teacher and as a professor is getting you ready to go out in the world and do great things and, you know, make the world a better place. Like that is the legacy I'm shooting for at this point on a very personal level. So there's not a whole lot of sense in me teaching you philosophy only to jeopardize your health and safety and make it so you can't actually use it anywhere. Um, survival is a prerequisite for philosophy. So enough about me, let's talk about this class because I'm sure you have a lot of questions and I'm sure you are very concerned and probably apprehensive about what to expect from this class. Um, first and foremost, let me stress, we're going to be doing philosophy in here. The good news about that is that it is something that you all already know about. You are probably already thinking about big questions like, you know, where did the universe come from and is there a God and stuff like that. Um, philosophy is unavoidable. It's like the stuff that makes us do things. It's the stuff that, you know, we believe on this fundamental intrinsic level that shapes our reality, that shapes how we behave towards others. 
But on the other hand, we're going to be going about it very differently. Uh, this is not a class where we're going to be coming up with a bunch of pithy, you know, personally fulfilling inspirational aphorisms that you can embroider on a pillow or hang up on a like in a framed portrait on your grandmother's house we dig deep we ask very penetrating questions and we often do not come to decisive answers um, and we disdain petty aphorisms and axioms that sort of oversimplify the human experience um, we are looking for the actual human experience ugly and complicated and messy and frequently unpleasant um, so as a result, a lot of the texts that we are going to be reading in here are super duper difficult. Um, and I want to sort of like stress that from the outset, like not to scare you because I will totally walk through them with you and you do not have to understand them 100% to pass this class. Um, but I do want to stress this is probably going to be some of the hardest reading you will do in your academic career unless you, you know, go into English and start reading Joyce or like major in Russian literature or something and end up reading Dostoevsky in the original Russian, um, in which case God help you, but God bless you as well. We need more uh, Russian scholars interpreting Dostoevsky. Um, for us, I'm going to try and keep the texts to relatively accessible texts, like we are not going to be diving into Hegel on day one for sure. Um, but at the same time, like I said, some of these texts are going to be super difficult and some of them will be some of the most difficult stuff you'll read in your entire academic career. Um, our textbook for this class is an anthology of various philosophical works. Um, I've used it for three or four years now. It is called Classics of Western Philosophy, 8th edition, as edited by Stephen M. Kahn. Um, I'm hoping that you should be able to find it in the bookstore. If not, let me know. You can always find it on Amazon. In either case, it's actually really cheap. Like, I typically find it around $40 to $50. Um, it's paperback, printed on cheap paper. Like, you cannot cut corners more than this book has cut corners as far as, like, the actual printing process is concerned. Um, but the great advantage of this book is that it is just this massive, compendious like volume of collected philosophy like you can the table of contents goes on for like four or five pages and it's literally just philosopher after philosopher after philosopher spanning the entire history of philosophy from plato and aristotle all the way up to wittgenstein and uh jail austin like it's amazing i cannot recommend it enough um, but, and let me stress this, you don't have to get it if you don't want to. Um, the great thing about all of these ancient philosophical texts and old philosophical texts and stuff that was written hundreds of years ago is that it is all in the public domain now. Like, the translations are old and are in the public domain. Which means that you can find basically everything we're going to read in this class for free on the internet, either on Project Gutenberg or elsewhere, and I have provided links to all of them on the Canvas modules page. Um, so if you don't want to get the textbook, if you don't want to trouble yourself with it, if you can't find it anywhere, don't worry. You can always find basically all of our readings online with no stress and no fuss. Um, I'd still recommend getting the textbook because I'm going to be referring to it often and I'll refer to page numbers and I'll refer to paragraph numbers and those are things that are in the textbook um, and they won't help you if you're just looking at a giant text dump on Project Gutenberg's HTML page or the ebook version or whatever. Um, it will absolutely be helpful especially if you're struggling with this class already um, if you have the con textbook. 
Additionally, um, the translations in the context book are much more modern. Like, you go on Project Gutenberg and you'll get, you know, Ben Jowett and his translation of Plato, which is like a 150-year-old translation of a 2,500-year-old ancient Greek text. And in case it isn't obvious, it's old-sounding. Some of the words sound pretty old. Like, it's kind of difficult to read in its own right. By contrast, you pick up the context book and you get GMA Groob's 1970s translation, and it's way more modern and way more up-to-date and way easier to read. Um, so I'd recommend getting the textbook for both of those reasons. It will make your life easier. Um, but don't feel obligated if you're short on cash or short on time or whatever the case may be. Now, our goal in this class, and you can, I would highly recommend opening the syllabus at this point if you haven't already, because we are going to discuss the syllabus in detail during this lecture. Um, you can find the syllabus on the Canvas page. Um, there is literally a menu item called Syllabus. You can find it there. Um, the other place where you can find it is the Modules page, and I will be referring to the Modules page a lot in this lecture, because that's where I expect you to spend most of your time in this class. Um, the modules page in this class functions basically as an active living schedule. Um, it has the schedule of all of our readings, it has the schedule of all of our assignments, and they are all nicely chronologically ordered so you can see exactly what you're supposed to do on any given week just at a glance. Um, at this point, it is August 18th. I have not fully calibrated the modules page. I still have a little work to do. Um, but by the time that you are listening to this, by the time that our class starts, for sure, everything should be up and running, and it should be really easy to see what you need to do and what needs or what you need to read. Um, so go to the modules page, pick up that syllabus, open the syllabus, and let's talk about it, because there's honestly a lot to talk about, especially in these strange times. Um, so first of all, you can poke through the topics to be included in prerequisites and course competencies, you know, whatever. Um, they're not terribly important for you. They're mostly important for me maintaining accountability with the department and making sure that most of our philosophy classes are roughly on the same page with one another. Um, the one thing that I do want to stress is that every year I teach Intro to Philosophy, I do it a little bit differently. Um, so I have like three different course structures, like focuses that I rotate through, um, and I have finally rotated back to my first one, um, which is on the subject of God. The primary question we are going to be asking in this class this semester, and the primary question we are going to be looking for answers for, is what is the nature of God? Um, notice not, does God exist? Like, that's a different question. We're going to be asking what is God like? Um, which, in some way, includes the question, does God exist? Like, is there a God, is there not a God? Um, because at the end of the day, there's not a whole heck of a lot of difference between there is no God and there is a God, but he has, like, no power and he doesn't do anything and he just sort of hangs out in space somewhere and occasionally, like, rewards you for having good vibes. Um, that's not a huge difference. Um, so what's important to me is not does God exist, but what God exists. What is the God who exists like if there is such a thing? Or is there just an empty great gaping hole in the universe and everything is meaningless, come watch TV? Um, 
This is a question that a lot of different philosophers have dealt with. It's obviously a hugely important question. Like, there's major uh, ramifications for morality, major ramifications for religion, major ramifications for just, you know, day-to-day -day being a person um, if you believe that God exists versus if you believe that God does not. Um, this is one of those central, fundamental questions that like we tend to dwell on quite a bit and which very much influences our ideas our culture our way of life um so it's one that we're going to be focusing on and we will absolutely not be like one track mind focused without being able to see anything else on this question we will run into tons of other questions because most of these questions tend to interrelate so along the way we're going to run into questions about free will we're going to run into questions about the way that knowledge works we're going to run into ethical questions like what is the right thing to do um all of these things connect to one another as we will talk about later in this class um so be prepared to run into a lot of different topics on a lot of different sort of disparate ideas um, and we're going to be running through a lot of different people's perspectives on these ideas at different times and in different places throughout western civilization and even a little bit of eastern we'll we'll be diving into some chinese philosophy for a week um, now, in order to talk about all of these big important questions and these sort of like foundational convictions that you hold dearest in your life, we're going to have to behave ourselves, um, if that makes sense. So if you'll look at page two of the syllabus, you'll notice that the first thing on this page is conduct. Um, and this is pretty boilerplate. I imagine that you are seeing similar things from your other professors in other classes. If this is your first class, surprise, this is the standard by which you may judge all of the others. Um, but basically, you shouldn't expect too many surprises here. First and foremost, cell phones should be turned off and ignored throughout class. That's not especially relevant to us, seeing as we are online. Um, what it basically means for our purposes is pay attention. Um, I realize that in order to conduct class online and in order to have our synchronous uh, sessions on Canvas conferences, you're going to be sitting in front of your phone or your computer or whatever, and the temptation to do something else is going to be very great. Um, I know when I am sitting in a boring situation like a lecture or a Q&A session or whatever, it is very tempting for me to be playing a video game in another window or to be reading a book or to be screwing around with something in my office, whatever the case may be. Um, please resist that temptation. Um, try and focus on what I and the other students are saying. Um, philosophy is very tricky insofar as it frequently seems simple and is actually really complicated. Um, so our conversation may seem like repetition, but will actually be a really interesting or really nuanced reframing of a question or subject that we've talked about before. And that reframing may be important to your understanding of the material we're talking about. Um, that said, this also extends to not being disruptive. Like, I'm not sure how this whole Canvas conference thing works. This is my first semester using it. Um, up until now, I've been using pretty much Zoom and Discord exclusively. So this is going to be a bit of an adventure, and I don't know what all that entails. But I do know that that will require you to, like, not be disruptive, not interrupt, not leave your microphone on while your cat comes wailing into the room, or your brother, or parents, or whatever. Um, try and make sure that you do not distract everybody else from listening to whatever we're talking about. Um, so, 
that at least stays true. Do not distract the rest of the class. Now the second point here, late assignments will automatically be penalized 20, minus 20 points without prior consultation with the professor, i.e. before the assigned due date. Makeup work will be accepted or not accepted at the professor's discretion. Um, this sounds a lot scarier than it actually is. I am kind of a pushover on due dates, um, but there are sort of limits to me being a pushover on due dates. Um, the basic like central tenet of my teaching philosophy is that my goal is to help you do well um i want to see your best work um and if i was just a stickler on deadlines i wouldn't be able to see your best work and i wouldn't be able to reward your best work and i wouldn't be able to recognize and acknowledge the good work that you have done um but that said like there is a certain pushback like you do need to re be responsible individuals life does not extend deadlines as a rule um and when it does it's fuzzy and gross and ends up having consequences um so there should be consequences in here as well um, so with that in mind, I know that our situations, especially now, are really messed up. Like, I know that you are probably dealing with a stressful home environment, perhaps a stressful work environment, almost certainly a stressful online social environment. Um, like, the world's a mess now, and we need to take that into consideration when we are making plans going forward. Like, I don't even know what November is going to bring, much less next year and the year after and god only knows the like 2025 or 2030 it seems so far away um for our purposes this means that i'm going to be super understanding and super accepting if you need more time on your assignments like if you email me you know a day before a big assignment is due and say professor you know just everything is crazy right now like i got called in for another shift at my work or you know i i'm moving into a different apartment or somebody at home is sick um, just let me know and I will totally give you extensions on major assignments or even relatively minor assignments like the response papers. Just ask. Um, but notice that there is a huge, huge, huge difference between asking me a day in advance of the deadline and asking me the day after the deadline. Um, I will totally grant you an extension if I know why you need one. Um, but if the day after the deadline you come to me and you say, Oh, professor, I was so busy. I didn't get the work done. I'm so sorry. Um, could you give me an extension? I'll be like, dude, I'm going to dock some points because you didn't talk to me beforehand. Um, the rule of thumb in this class, it, like especially because it is online, is make sure I know what's going on. Um... Online formats are really convenient insofar as you can, you know, do work on your own time and you don't need to, you know, have me looking over your shoulder all the time and you don't have to travel in order to get to class. Like, there's all sorts of advantages to having online class. But the biggest disadvantage is that I, there's like a wall between the two of us. Um, there's a wall between me and you. And I can only ever guess at what's going on on the other side of that wall, unless you tell me. Um, so if you do not turn in a paper during uh, at the deadline, and then like a day goes by, and a second day goes by, and a third day goes by, and I hear nothing from you, I have no idea what's going on. Maybe you blew off the assignment. Maybe you have dropped the class and I just haven't heard about it yet. Maybe you just don't care about this class anymore. Or maybe something is really 
bad that's happening to you. Like maybe you're hurt, maybe you're in the hospital, maybe your family member is in the hospital, maybe there was an impromptu funeral. I have no idea. So I have to assume the worst in this situation until I've been given better information. So if you give me good information beforehand, I just won't assume the worst. I'll know what's going on. And even if you're like bullshitting me, I'm not going to assume that. I am going to assume the opposite. Um, I will give you the benefit of the doubt. And honestly, I would rather have you lie to my face every day about your circumstances and me to actually, like, be interacting with you than for you to just sort of, like, quietly hide from me and not respond to my emails and just hope that it all goes away. Like, I know that's the more comfortable solution, but it isn't the best one in this case. Um, I want to know what's going on so I can help you, so I can help you pass. Um, I do not want to fail students. I, like, hate doing it every time that it happens. Um, and it inevitably will happen at the end of this semester. Like, somebody always manages to, you know, not turn in enough assignments, and then we have a problem. Um, but that's the key. Like, as long as you're turning in the assignments, you're probably not going to fail. Um, you just have to put in the effort. And that means, you know, being on the level with me and making sure I know what's up. Um, so, again, if you need extra time, just contact me. Don't be afraid. Like, I have never bitten a student's head off thus far. Um, I have never even, like, screamed at a student unless it was a joke. Um, and even then, it was, like, an obvious joke, not one of those, you know, online jokes where you scream at somebody and then you say that you're joking afterwards and it's all just, like, in really bad faith. Um, I mean, I don't want to be your enemy. That's my goal here. I do not want to be intimidating. I do not want to be scary. I want you to feel comfortable talking to me, coming to me with your problems, especially when there are problems about this class. Um, so don't stress about late assignments. Just talk to me about them and we can sort it out. Um, now the one exception to this, the one exception to my easygoing, lackadaisical, like to let's totally take, uh, or consider the circumstances on everything, is plagiarism. I do not tolerate plagiarism. Nobody tolerates plagiarism. Like, no self-respecting academic who I have ever met has taken an easy stance on plagiarism. I have literally had one conversation with a fellow colleague about a student who had plagiarized where that professor was like, no, you should give him a pass on this one. And those were extraordinary circumstances. Um, every other time it's been, yeah, throw the book at them. Like no tolerance. Um, so if you plagiarize an assignment, you get a zero on the assignment. It's that simple. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. Um, now the next couple points are actually sort of secretly the most important. Um, first off, students should conduct themselves professionally and should preserve the classroom setting as a place for free intellectual discourse. Um, and again, I suspect that this is kind of boilerplate. I imagine that you're seeing this in a lot of your classes at this point, but let me sort of expand on this. Um, I realize that the business of having opinions has gotten way more complicated in the last, let's say, four years for no particular reason. Um, things have gotten super political. Things have gotten super polarized. People get angry at the drop of a hat. Like... 
just in the past year or so, I've watched my Facebook just turn into this lightning rod of anger and hatred. And it doesn't even matter whose side you're on. Like, if you were conservative or if you were progressive, if you were a Republican, if you were a Democrat, if you support Trump, if you oppose Trump, doesn't matter. Whatever you are saying is going to be met with vicious disagreement these days. Um, anger and accusations and cruelty like i can't believe some of the stuff that i'm seeing um like i imagine you're seeing it as well so i'm, I'm trying to like reach out to your experience but i have tons of friends who have like taken hiatus from facebook or from twitter because they just can't deal with it anymore because it's just so freaking awful um and let me stress i will not tolerate this in this classroom and in case it's ambiguous, I'm not trying to foster some political perspective. I absolutely have a political perspective. I believe in science and I believe in scientific facts. I believe in, you know, the fundamental human rights guaranteed to everyone by our constitution and by God. Um, I believe in all sorts of crazy things and some of them may even be incompatible if you press me on them. Who knows? That's kind of what we're here to figure out. Um, but at the same time, what I want to stress is that it's not about what you say, it's about how you say it in here. Um, since we're going to be talking about philosophy, that means we're going to be talking about a lot of really serious and complicated and difficult issues. Issues that get people riled up. Like, you think politics is controversial and subject to, like, people getting really riled up. Well, philosophy is sort of the undergirding of politics. Um, to give you an example, like, take the issue of abortion, which I know, super controversial, very tricksy. Um, I teach a class on ethics, and every year I spend a good week or two weeks talking about abortion. Um, and some of the fundamental issues underlying abortion are things like when is a human being a human being? Um, what rights does a person have over their own body? And do those rights exclude the rights of other people who may be thoroughly invested in that body, like a fetus and the body of a pregnant woman? Um, these are hugely important philosophical issues, and where you land on them will largely determine where you land on the issue of abortion. It's a big deal because this is super personal on some level. Um, you know, for Christians, they believe that every fetus is a human being and that to abort a fetus is tantamount to murder. And thus you have Christians who claim that, you know, a, the prevalence of abortion in our country is tantamount to a genocide of babies, which is obviously super loaded language, but it also reflects that these Christians are afraid. They are afraid for their eternal souls. They are afraid of getting lumped in with a culture that sees this as acceptable, this widespread murder. But on the flip side, you will also see liberals arguing from the pro-choice perspective that a fetus isn't a human being at all. Um, having a fetus removed is tantamount to having cancer cells removed or getting a haircut. Um, you will literally find philosophers arguing that perspective. For them, the key issue here is that men have been specifically dominating women's bodies for thousands of years, and it's high time that that stopped. There should not be some tyranny of men over women, especially when it comes to their own bodies. Um, so this is yet another example of men hypocritically trying to control things under the auspices of religion. And both of these perspectives are 
not entirely right. Both fail to take into perspective the other person's ideas. Um, both frequently fail to communicate what is the best argument on either side. But notice the importance of this issue. This is a freedom issue versus a life issue. It's some of these fundamental things that we take so seriously. And what I want to stress for this class is if we're going to have a civilized discussion about any of these big ticket, hugely important, hugely controversial issues, we're going to have to set some boundaries and some guidelines as to how we talk about these things. Um, the issue of God, especially, like obviously in this class, we're going to have people who believe in God, people who don't believe in God, people who think it's stupid to believe in God, people who think that believing in God is the only logical course of action. Like it's going to be a fairly widespread group with a lot of different opinions. And I want to talk about it. Like, don't get me wrong, I know that the typical solution in this situation, like if you are in a mixed group of people who you do and do not know, or people who you know have differing perspectives, like there's just this unspoken rule, you don't talk about politics, or you don't talk about Trump, or you don't talk about whatever. Um, and that's not going to work in here, because we're going to need to talk about these things. So we're going to have to take a different tactic. Um, we're going to have to stress that there is a difference between the idea and the person who has the idea. Um, we can absolutely debate the idea. Um, does God exist? Yes or no? What are the arguments for it? What are the arguments against it? Do, do the arguments for God's existence hold up? Do the arguments against God's existence hold up? Who has the burden of proof in this situation? These are all things that we should be talking about. But what it, we shouldn't be talking about, what we shouldn't be saying, is anyone who believes in God is a moron. Or, I can't believe you believe that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um... I absolutely want to talk about this stuff, and I do want it to get tense. I even want it to get uncomfortable, because these issues do sort of resonate deeply with us. We should absolutely, in this class, be questioning those fundamental presuppositions we've held without question for the duration of our lives, 20 years or more. Um, we need to interrogate those opinions, or we end up calcified in them. We end up believing in dogma, not reason. Um, but in the process, we can't turn it into a personal attack. Um, I absolutely want sweat, but I don't want blood, and I don't want tears. And there's kind of two sides to that. On the one side, it means, obviously, don't attack people. Like, don't insult people, don't turn people into punching bags. Like, do not flex your ideologi ideological muscles by showing how much smarter you are than somebody else in the class. Um, that's not the goal here. As far as I'm concerned, you are all morons. Um, I am going to teach you from the ground up, as though you know nothing. Um, and thus, like, the smartest person in the room and the dumbest person in the room have no distinction in my mind. And they shouldn't to you either, because you are all learning in this situation. Um, if, you have, if you knew everything that I had to teach, then presumably you wouldn't need to take this class. Um, but on another level, we also can't jump to the conclusion that someone is attacking us. We can't take things personally until there's no way to believe anything else. Um, we have to give each other the benefit of the doubt, in short. We have to respect one another. We have to treat each other like human beings and not just a box for a bad idea. Um, and that means being polite, like listening to each other all the way through. That means addressing one another with respect and with courtesy. Um, 
And I know that some of this is like super basic kindergarten level stuff, but I also know that most of the time when we are on the internet, those rules just go right out the window um, for various reasons. And they can't in here. They just can't. Like, if we end up with an antagonism between any two people in this class, it's going to derail this conversation so badly that we're not going to be able to do the work we're supposed to do. Um, so keep it civil. Um, think of this as practice for life. And I encourage you to bring that to the internet. Like, bring that to your conversation with that one uncle who always has the to, you know, talk about their unpopular opinions over dinner um, or at family gatherings. Like, be more mindful about how you say things and what you are saying. Um, which ties into our second point. This is philosophy, questions, and mistakes are encouraged. Um, a lot of what I just had to say was about pride, um, because the way that we conduct ourselves in, like, the grand social experiment that is life, um, has a certain sort of, like, implicit and unspoken set of rules, um, and one of those big rules is you get farther by looking stronger, um, and that's bullshit, like, it sucks on so many levels, and that's not how it works, but that's kind of how it does work, and we cannot, like, fix that overnight. Um, but what I want to stress for our purposes is that even though you are in this, like, complicated social environment, and, you know, as college students, you, you have, like, your obligations to your family and to your classes, sure, but you also have, like, obligations to your friends, and you have, like, a certain persona that you're trying to protect and a reputation to consider, and, you know, you have your own personal relationship goals and issues. Um, like, you are trying to look like a decent human being at all times, and that's not a bad thing. Like, we all kind of have to do that. Um, as your professor, I kind of have to look smart, or else you won't take me seriously. Um, I recognize that, and so I comport myself accordingly. I use fancy words like comport and accordingly. Um, but on your end, I know that that also involves, like, looking good. Um, in a Discord chat or in a Canvas conference, you will try not to ask stupid questions because you don't want to look dumb. Um, because maybe there's a cute boy or a cute girl who is also in this class who you know. Or maybe because, you know, you have a bunch of friends who look up to you and you want to keep it that way. Um, because you've worked really hard to overcome obstacles in high school or in grade school, or maybe this is an opportunity to sort of like redefine who you are. These are all great things and complicated and I recognize them and I honestly don't want to know what is going on in your personal life. It's not my business. Um, but what I do want is for those rules to get as much as they can be temporarily suspended um, for our classroom. You have to be able to look dumb if you're going to learn. Um, that's just the way it works. Like, like I said, if, if you knew everything coming into this classroom, you wouldn't need to take this class. So leave your pride at the door. Um, be prepared to make mistakes, to say something stupid, to ask questions that sound dumb when you ask them. Um, because honestly, the dumb questions are the most important ones oftentimes. They're the most basic. Um, and the basic ones are the ones that frequently devolve into answers that we can't get at. 
Um, it's basic questions that define philosophy. Questions as rudimentary as what is a thing? What makes a thing a thing? How do we understand things? Or are there even things to understand? Like, I know that those questions don't even sound grammatical in some ways, but they're hugely important to philosophy. Um, they're questions we're going to be dealing with over the course of our class. So please do not, you know, think that you are asking a dumb question at any point. Do not be afraid of making a mistake. Um, this is college. Your primary goal, or at least your primary stated goal, I realize again, there's like so many levels here. Your primary stated goal is to learn something. And you're not going to learn something if you go into every encounter assuming you already know everything you need to know. Or at the very least, assuming that you have to look like you know what you don't know. Um, admit you don't know things. And it'll go better for you in this class. Um, admit that, you know, you're going to make mistakes. And then make them. Like, make them proudly. Um, so much is accomplished through mistakes that is not accomplished from looking strong and bluffing your way through every social encounter. Um, I have learned more from saying stupid things than I have ever learned from sounding and saying smart things. Um, I have learned far more from being wrong than I have ever learned from being right. So I highly recommend it. Look like a fool. Um, it'll help. And with any luck, I'll look like a fool at least two or three times over the course of this class as well, so we'll be in good company. Um, now, that's the rough understanding of how I want to, con to do conduct in this class. I want you to, you know, be courteous, be respectful, think of others, don't distract them. Um, definitely do not plagiarize, you know, stay in touch with me about your assignments and your attendance. Um, and definitely be civil in your conversation and humble in your presentation. Um, now, as for some of the other businessy things, such as attendance, um, so we're meeting once a week this semester. Um, our original schedule was to do things twice a week and a synchronous schedule, um, but that does not work for me and I've talked to my department chair um, and we are going to be doing it once a week. Um, so I am going to be preparing recorded lectures for you to listen to during the class session on Monday. Um, a good half of them are already recorded since I had to prepare them for last semester. Um, but on Wednesdays, on Monday you get to listen to the lecture, on Wednesdays we will meet on Discord. Uh, not Discord, the Canvas conferences, sorry, it's Discord for my other class. I also teach at Montclair, hooray. Um, we will be meeting on Canvas conferences every Wednesday. Again, not sure what that's going to look like. Um, now, we're only going to have like 15 conferences over the course of this whole semester. Like, that's all there's going to be. Um, so if you miss a bunch of them, you're going to be way behind. Uh, now admittedly, the lectures are the primary component here. Like you can learn most of what you need to know about the class and probably even do fairly well in the final exam if you just listen to the lectures. Um, but I don't cover everything in the lectures. And honestly, asking questions brings out way more than me just like coming up with whatever I want to talk about. Um, so please attend those lectures, ask questions, engage, participate. Um, I will be tracking the attendance to these lectures and if, or I will be tracking the attendance to these conferences, these like 
synchronous Canvas conference sessions. Um, and I will notice if you have not been to enough of them. Um, I will dock points from your overall grade if you miss more than two, um, without explanation, I should specify. Um, if, in fact, you do have an explanation, if you come down with the virus, or a family member does, and suddenly you are responsible for taking care of the household, or if you, you know, are relocating to a new apartment, or if you come down with something other than a virus, like a car accident, um, stuff happens. I know this. Just make sure that I know about it. Like, if you go completely radio silent for four weeks, I have to assume the worst and start giving you zeros on assignments. But if you tell me, like, I'm not going to make it to class because, you know, something serious is going on, then I can make accommodations. I will not overly penalize you if I know why you're missing those synchronous sessions. Um, and like I said, most of the material is online. I can keep up with you privately and we can work out a plan for getting you back on track. No big deal. Um, but that said, again, I have to know. Keep me in the loop. Um, and I, like, I will totally understand if, you know, some emergency happens and you can't get to me, like, in the first couple of days or whatever. Um, but get to me as soon as you can so we can sort this out. Um, now, as for disabilities and special accommodations, I know that, you know, anyone who is, uh, registered with the disabilities office, anybody who has trouble, like, making it to, to a computer on those Wednesday sessions, um, whatever the case may be, just, again, let me know. Um, let me know if you need more time for assignments. Let me need if you, let me know if you need more, ex like, an extension for a paper because you're, you know, have some special accommodation. Whatever you need, just let me know and I will do my best to help you work through it. Um, that is my goal here. So, just keep me in the loop. Like, again, I do not bite students' heads off. I am not trying to be scary or intimidating as much as some of the material is scary and intimidating. Um, just... Like, talk to me. Sit down, have a conversation, meet me on Discord for my office hours, whatever. Um, we'll figure this out. Now, look, another section on academic integrity. Hey, look, plagiarism will not be tolerated. Plagiarized assignments will immediately receive zero credit. Um, over and over, I have seen students plagiarize in my classes, and while I know that I discussed this a little bit earlier, I want to discuss it more. Because the number one example, like the number one excuse that students give me for why they plagiarized an assignment was, and I quote, I didn't know it was plagiarism. So I want to fix that really fast. Um, there are three kinds of plagiarism. The first and most obvious is direct word-for-word -word plagiarism. Um, I decided that instead of completing this assignment, I just went on Sparknotes, copy and pasted a giant block of text, put it into a Word document, uploaded the Word document as my submission for the assignment, and called it a day, knocked off for lunch. At this point, your professor sees this assignment, like highlights any chosen sentence, puts it in Google, finds out that it was plagiarized, and gives you a zero on the assignment. Easy peasy, very straightforward, obviously plagiarism. Now the second form of plagiarism is if you use the same direct word-for-word -word approach, but you also substitute words strategically. Like, I don't know whether this is something that Grammarly does, or if you can do this through Word now, or if there's some fancy algorithm on the internet that you can, like, plug a paper into and it'll automatically change, like, every fifth word to a synonym. I don't know. All I know is I've seen this, like, six or seven times at this point, and I'm getting sick of it. Um, especially because it doesn't work. Like, 
note that by saying I have seen this six or seven times and I am sick of it indicates to, to you that this has not worked. This is something that I have caught multiple times and will continue to catch again and again and again because students insist on using this strategy. Um, the way that this works is like you have your giant block of copied text from Sparknotes or wherever and like every fifth word or so you replace with a synonym. So if your sentence is I went to the bank then you replace bank with financial institution. Okay, so it doesn't technically count as plagiarism, you changed a word, right? Wrong, because I know that you're using the words of another source and substituting them as your own. And the reason why I know this is because as often as you get like a good substitution that is seamless and perfect, you will also get a word that doesn't make any sense in the context. Like anyone who has used Google Translate to try and, you know, solve their foreign language assignments knows that it does not work. Like computers are great for a lot of things, but they cannot parse English language, not at their current level of sophistication, without noticeable ticks and problems. So when you write, I went to the financial institution, Oftentimes, I'm going to see a sentence like, I went to the financial institution and caught three fish. Now, you don't go to financial institutions to go fishing, as a rule. You go to a river, say, a river bank. So, if you have, I went to the bank and caught three fish, as your original sentence, and somebody replaces it with, I went to the financial institution and caught three fish, it doesn't make any sense. And I look at this and I'm like, this obviously does not make any sense. And I do a little bit of strategic searching, and I find the original source, and bam, it's plagiarism, another zero. Um, this is super obvious. Like, you are not fooling anyone when you do this. So don't do it. Also plagiarism. Um, the third form of plagiarism is paraphrase, and this one's a little bit more complicated. Um, so let's say that you are looking at a paper online about, like, Thomas Aquinas, um, and you are getting ready to write your res response paper on Thomas Aquinas, and you're like, wow, this person has a really good argument for why the five proofs for the existence of God, the five ways, are not actually good ways at all, and don't actually hold up. Um, so instead of just copying this block of text word for word, you basically want to represent the argument. Um, so, you know, they say here is point one, here is point two, here is point three, um, and then they go on to paragraph two where you find point four, five, and six, and you're like, okay, so you basically rephrase everything here, but it is still paragraph one, point one, two, three, paragraph two, point four, five, six. Um, and I do a cursory search because this seems weirdly structured and I find the original source and bam it's plagiarism. Um, plagiarizing ideas is every bit as much plagiarism as plagiarizing the actual text. Um, but the simple solution here is just to cite it. Like if you copy Sparknotes' argument but put it into your own words and then at the end say this argument I found on Sparknotes you get a perfect grade. Like, nothing is wrong in this situation. You have cited your source. You were not representing somebody else's ideas as your own. Um, you were putting it into your own words. We're copacetic. All is well. Likewise, if you do copy a giant block of Sparknotes word for word into your text and put it in quotes and say, this is from Sparknotes, that's not plagiarism. You will get a grade on that assignment. It probably won't be a good grade if that's all you have, because then you have other problems, like you didn't do anything. Um, but 
at least you aren't getting the plagiarism credit. So let me stress from the outset, cite everything. Like even if you are not intending to use it in your paper, even if like you were just using Wikipedia as a resource and you like didn't actually quote it or didn't plan to use their argument, go ahead and tell me. Just say, like, I went to SparkNotes, I went to Wikipedia, I went to the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, um, whatever. Um, just let me know when you are using outside sources. And let me encourage you to go ahead and use outside sources. I stressed early on in this lecture that some of these are very difficult readings, some of the most difficult readings you're going to run into in your academic career. That means that it might take you two or three times to read it. In fact, I encourage you to read everything that we read in this class two or three times if you can afford it. Um, but if you don't have the time, or if two or three times isn't doing it and you still understand it, then go look for help. Um, go, go ahead and ask me questions. Like I'll be happy to answer any questions or confusion that you have, but also like, go ahead and look at SparkNotes. Go ahead and look at Wikipedia. Um, go ahead and find YouTube videos on the subject. Crash Course has a whole series on philosophical ideas. A lot of them are going to be the ones that we cover in this class. Um, by all means, do not feel shy about going online and using that resource. Um, I know there are professors who are like, never use Wikipedia, or never use SparkNotes, or never use Quizlet, or whatever. I am not that person. I want you to back up the stuff that you know with people who are interpreting it differently than I do. I realize that some people are just not going to like my teaching style, some people are not going to like these works, some people are not going to make heads or tails out of what we're talking about. But presented in a different context, maybe it'll work. Um, so by all means, use those sources. Just make sure that you cite them. Make sure I know you are using them. Like, talk to me about them in class if you like. Um, tell other students that you are using this stuff. Maybe they're struggling too and haven't found something that helpful. Um, and let me recommend one to you right now. I mentioned the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Use that. Like, you can type into Google SEP, Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, and whatever subject we're talking about, SEP Descartes, SEP Free Will, SEP The Problem of Evil, and you will get a massive page filled with information. Um, that's where I go when I encounter something in philosophy that I don't know. It is Wikipedia for philosophers written exclusively by the greatest experts in the field. It is amazing and probably the first stop you'll want to make on your research paper, um, though we'll talk about that later. Um, so please go ahead and use the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Um, it is dense and it is difficult, but it is absolutely worth it and will give you way more context than I can cram into this class. Um, so by all means, back up your research, go find other sources. Just make sure that you cite them. Um, make sure I know you are using outside sources because if you're going to try and pass them off as your own work or if I can't tell that you are trying to cite them in like some backwards way, like if you do not say explicitly that they, this came from another source, I'm going to assume you're trying to snow me and you're going to get a zero on the assignment. Um, so when in doubt, cite everything. And if you have any questions about plagiarism, now that we've talked about it, um, feel free to ask. Like, send me emails. Send me, like, ask questions in the Canvas discussion boards. Um, ask a question in our Canvas conference. Um, clarify it. 
Like, I know that your high school teachers aren't always perfect at this, or maybe you were sleeping during that class, or maybe you were out on a field trip for that class. Who knows? Don't care. Let's solve this now. The last thing I want is for you to accidentally plagiarize something and, like, blow one of the most important grades in this class as a result. Um, I want to see your best work. I do not want to penalize you unduly for some oversight. Um, let's fix this now. Uh, before the before you do any big assignments in this class or for any others for that matter. Um, now, let's turn our attention away from plagiarism and these sort of conduct issues. Let's talk about the actual way that the class is going to work. Um, so you'll notice on page three I've included a section, How to Be a Student in This Class. Um, and you'll notice that from that first paragraph, I want to really emphasize, I want to really stress, um, stay plugged in. That is like the first rule about any online course. Um, the first online course I took was at the seminary and I was taking this class on intro to New Testament and intro to Old Testament at the same time and we had like 600 pages a week of reading and it was awful and I hated it. And I basically failed both classes because I was just not aware of what was even asked or required of me at any given moment. Um, and I realized that that's kind of the way that most people's interaction with an online class works the first time around. Because online classes do not demonstrate accountability. Like, there's no way for me to shake you by the lapels and be like, no, do your paper! Um, or to remind you every week in class, you know, your paper is coming up. Um, we have the advantage of having these synchronous sessions, so I will, in fact, remind you about major assignments on Wednesdays, but of course that's only if you show up. Um, so, first and foremost, keep an eye on the syllabus, keep an eye on the Discord or the Canvas conference sessions. I'm going to be making this mistake all semester, just you watch. I will literally be in Canvas conference and say that we're using Discord. It's going to happen. Ugh. Um, while we are on, or make sure to attend those Canvas conferences, make sure to keep an eye on the Canvas modules page and see what we are expected to do every week. When in doubt, ask questions. Ask me, ask your classmates, talk to each other. Um, and if somebody goes silent, go find them. Um, there's only so much I can do in this situation. Like, I can send a couple of emails and then things get weird and I have to, like, talk to weird departments at SCCC who send, like, mail home, which is strange and uncomfortable for everyone involved. Um, talk to me. Make sure that we're on the same page. Don't just, like, drift off into oblivion. Um, don't get so distracted playing Fortnite that you forget to check in for your assignments and complete your reading quizzes. Um, now, that said, what I'm looking for every week and how you should sort of structure your week every week is as follows. There are basically four things you need to do. Um, you need to start by reading the material, watching whatever videos or reading from the textbook or reading from Project Gutenberg or the links that I provide. Start there. Like, I would recommend by, you know, Saturday, Sunday, you should have everything read, preferably not just once but twice or even three times, especially for our earlier assignments. Um, so think of the class as starting on Thursday, the day after the Canvas conference. Uh, that's when, like, everything will turn over uh, for most of our assignments. So on Thursday, do your first reading. On Saturday, do your second reading. Um, and then on Monday, listen to the lecture for that week. Um, I will be uploading lectures basically every week this semester. 
Um, there will be one lecture per week, and the idea is that you'll listen to it on Monday during our regularly scheduled class session at 1.40 to 2.55. 50, uh, I will occasionally run over time. I will occasionally run under time. Who knows? Life is chaos, especially with COVID-19. Um, don't panic about it. Um, just make sure that you listen to the lecture. Maybe listen to it twice if you find that helpful. Um, like keep it in the background while you play Fortnite. Whatever you want to do. Um, then, after you have done that, maybe read the text again. Like, again, I'm stressing reading it two or three times. That's because it helps. Trust me, as an intro to philosophy student, I found reading it three times was immensely helpful many years ago when I was young and silly and foolish and did not know philosophy. Um, so once you have read it that third time, make sure that you are ready for your, the Canvas conference session on Wednesday at 1.40. Every week, like clockwork, I'll be setting that up and getting us going at 1.40 in the afternoon on Wednesday. I will be there primarily to answer questions, which means I expect you to have done all the reading beforehand. Um, and importantly, all of the assignments for the class will be due just before that Canvas conference starts. Um, so the proper order to do things are to read it the first time, on Thursday or Friday, read it the second time on Saturday or Sunday, listen to the lecture on Monday, and maybe read the material a third time if you can afford it. Then finish the quiz or whatever assignment it is that we've got due that week. It's usually going to be a reading quiz. It will twice be a response paper. Sometimes it'll be the big assignments like the analysis paper or the research paper, both of which are due on Friday instead. I give you a little extra time on that one and mostly so I can remind you in class two days before. Um, complete all those assignments and then show up for the Canvas conference with questions. Let's clarify. Let's talk through this material, which I know is difficult and which the lecture may not fully explain. Um, and then we'll hang out in that conference for as long as I have questions, as long as there is stuff to talk about. Um, and then we will dismiss and we will start the next week, basically. So Wednesday at 2.55, we are done for the week. Start it on the next reading. Um, and just get into the habit. Like, the easiest thing in the world is to get totally distracted from that habit, to think, you know, I've got plenty of time to do the reading, no big deal. I'll just read it like twice on Sunday evening, no big deal. That's not going to be helpful. Um, space it out plan your time, like incorporate this class into your day-to-day -day weekly schedule. Um, be prepared to every Thursday read the material, every Monday listen to the lecture, every Wednesday show up to the conference, um, as well as turning in the quizzes or whatever. Um, now the actual assignments, let's move another page forward so we can talk about them. Um, the actual assignments are fairly numerous. There are a bunch of different categories and stuff, but I do want to spend some time explaining each one because I do things differently than everybody else, obviously, because no professor, no two professors can possibly agree on how to conduct a class, um, alas. So first off, let's talk about those reading quizzes. Um, the reading quizzes are, again, a pretty much weekly occurrence. You will have one basically every week you are in this class with only a few exceptions when other assignments are due. Um, they are objective multiple choice quizzes and they are only 10 questions long. They are super short, they are super quick, they shouldn't be very difficult. Except for the fact that my questions are murderously hard. Um, like, students have often complained about my questions. They are mean. 
Um, they ask extremely specific things about the text. Um, you will have a leg up on most of my in-person classes because typically they would not have the advantage of my lecture before uh, taking the quiz. You will, so hopefully they'll be a little bit easier for you. Um, but even so, I am asking some really nuanced questions, some really detailed stuff, some stuff with some ambiguous responses. Um, I have had to revise a couple of questions in the past, but it doesn't happen as often as you would think. Um, what I want to stress is don't freak out about it. Uh, the questions are murderously difficult and the quizzes are often murderously difficult, but they're also only 10% of your grade. The key here is I'm trying to teach you to read. And I know that's kind of a bullshit thing to say that like you've been a college student for probably at least a semester now, maybe longer, you know, who knows how long you've been in SCCC for at this point. Um, you've been in high school for four years before that and middle school four years or three years before that and so on and so forth. However, your, you know, district does it. Um, you've been learning to read for 20 years. Aren't you done now? And the answer is no, like you're never done. Um, the trick with philosophy is that this is probably a completely new format. Like your English teachers have been having you read fiction and literature and essays for, you know, the last four years and teaching you how to comprehend what you find there. In philosophy, comprehension is just like the tip of the iceberg. Um, what is actually being said is pointing to stuff way below the surface um, and understanding how it is that like a philosopher's approach informs their ideas as well as informs your own ideas and speaks to your own way of thinking and talking about things, it's complicated. It's like learning a foreign language every time we switch philosophers. Um, and as a result, my job is partially to teach you how to sort of like extract the most important information and the most important details and the most controversial issues out of these texts. Just sort of point you in the direction of the key components and point you away from some of the background or fluff in a way of sort of like contextualizing and recognizing what each sentence is doing in this grand philosophical project. Um, let me stress, these are dense texts. And as a result, we're not gonna be reading a whole heck of a lot every week. I mean, Plato especially, we're only gonna read like four pages a week from the textbook um, because I want you to read them multiple times and because I want you to read them very closely. Like the longest it will ever get is I think maybe 30 pages in a week, maybe, probably not, probably less, um, probably closer to 20 or 25. Um, at like the most reading that we're doing at any given time. Um, so this is not, you know, like we're gonna read a novel a week for the next three uh, months because this is a crazy English class. No, we're gonna read close and we're going to read details and we're going to be focused on smaller works. Um, but as a result, I'm expecting you to read deeply, to pick out this stuff. And that's what the quizzes are for to quiz you on those key details, those key ideas, putting it all together and taking it all apart at the same time. Um, and they're gonna be difficult and you're going to screw them up and that first one might kill you. Like you might get a four out of 10 on a quiz or two. And if you do, don't stress about it. Um, let me emphasize, first off, I'm gonna drop the two lowest grades at the end of the semester just because I'm nice. 
Um, whatever your lowest grades are, if you have a bad week, if you miss a quiz altogether, don't worry about it. One of them will get dropped. Um, well, two of them will get dropped. Additionally, every time there's an extra credit assignment, it means another dropped quiz. So if you are worried about your quiz grade, then just complete a couple of extra credit assignments and you won't have to worry about it anymore. Um, like between the two that I drop at the beginning, at the end of class automatically, and the three that you can drop because of the extra credit assignments, you can drop basically half the reading quizzes in this class. So don't stress about it. Um, additionally, they're only worth 10% of your final grade. 10%. So even if your quiz average is like a four out of 10, you can absolutely still pass this class. You can absolutely still get a B in this class. No problem. Um, I have never seen the quiz grade be the sole thing that has tanked a student's grade. Um, usually students fail my class because they have failed to complete multiple assignments across the board. Um, so don't stress about the reading quizzes. Um, the next thing that you should be attentive to are the response papers. Um, there are two response papers over the course of the semester, and they are just short, one-off, one-page responses. Like, they are open-ended, they're basically just respond to what you read this week. Um, and I frequently use them when I don't want to write a quiz for the subject, as in the case with the Tao Te Ching, or when I think it is something that is particularly thought-provoking and should cause you to sort of, like, reflect and consider what is being said. Um, but there are no wrong answers on these response papers. I'm not looking for a specific analysis. I'm looking for you doing the work of analyzing. Um, and it's okay if your response paper basically says, I don't know what the heck is going on in this text. Like, I just read the data chain and it makes no sense to me. Um, but instead of just like leaving it at that, talk about why. Talk about the things that you found interesting or the things that you found confusing, the things that you didn't understand. Um, propose suggestions for what it might mean, what it connects to in your own experience, what it connects to in life. Um, but there's no guideline here. There's no like, this is what I want you to write about. Um, just write about what makes sense to you, how it, un how you understand it. Um, don't summarize, like don't just repeat what it says, um, but instead analyze it. Look at what it suggests, look at what it implies, look at what it means. Um, that's a lot of what we're going to be doing in this class. Um, looking at the way that this sort of informs our perspective of the world. Um, so again, there are two of them. Um, and part of the reason why I assign these is because I want you to get a sense of what I'm looking for as far as your writing assignments are concerned. Um, I have had several professors with sort of weird peccadilloes about what they're looking for in a paper. And there is no feeling worse than like a professor who gives you like one major writing assignment for the entire semester. Like everything comes down to this 20 page paper and you like work on it all semester and you're like perfecting it and you look up all these resources and you are making sure that like everything is perfect and you, you work so hard on it and you present it to your professor and you're like, please, be careful with it. This is my magnum opus, my gift to the world. And the professor takes like one glance at it and he gives it a C minus and he hands it back to you and he's like, there are too many commas in this paper. And you're like, no! And I don't want that to happen to you or between us. I want you to know where I'm coming from and I want you to know what like upsets me in prose. I want you to know what I'm looking for. Um, and part of that will be we are going to spend a good solid week 
on just what I'm looking for in the research paper when we get closer to it. But the other thing is, I want to see these response papers and I want to give you a chance to talk about what you have done, um, what I am looking for in the paper and whether or not you're, you're living up to that standard. Um, so you will be able to turn in these papers and if you want, you can get feedback on them, like deep detailed feedback. Me telling you in great detail, like this is a poorly constructed sentence or this is a poor word choice or I think that you're kind of unfocused in this paragraph or I'm looking for deeper analysis. Um, get me your paper and then just ask me, send me an email along with it. Um, because I don't do it for everyone. I only do it as at request, since I know that half of my students won't pay attention to it if I do give you detailed feedback. Um, so just ask. Uh, normally, if this was an in-person class, I would suggest that you turn it in as a hard copy. Obviously, we can't do that under our circumstances because I will never see you. Um, but just, you know, send me an email, send me a message, like, on Canvas, when you turn it in, there's like a little comments box you can add in there. Hey, can you give me detailed feedback on this? I'd really like to improve my writing this semester. And I totally will. Um, I want to help you become a better writer. That is one of the other goals in this class. Um, so if you are willing to take me up on that, if you really do want to use this opportunity, then by all means, just ask and I will totally help you. Um, now, the two major written assignments that we are dealing with in this class are the analysis paper and the research paper. Um, the analysis paper is fairly short. It's like two to three pages. Um, and all we're going to do in that paper is analyze Plato. Uh, we're going to spend two weeks on Plato's Euthyphro. Like I said, reading only four pages a week. We're going to do a super deep dive into the way that that piece works, um, the mechanics of his logical argument, how he presents the logic, how he, you know, turns from one subject to another. Um, like that's just going to be all that we focus on for two whole weeks. Um, and after we are done talking about it, I will have you write this paper. Um, so don't worry about it for now because you really can't like start it until you know what we're talking about with Plato. Um, but once it comes around, we'll talk about it and you'll be perfectly well prepared for the assignment when it comes around. Um, it is worth, I think, 15% of your final grade. So already we're talking about stuff that outweighs the reading quizzes and reading re responses. Um, so again, don't stress about those two assignments. Instead, stress about these bigger ones. Um, now, the research paper is the big one. Like, if there is one to panic about, this is the one to panic about. Um, but it, we will talk about it in a lot of detail before we get to it. Now, the goal of this research paper is I want to see an argument. Um, I want to see you take a controversial position. And you will notice in the syllabus that there are five questions that you can pick from. One, what attributes of God are critical to our understanding of who he is or would be? Two, what makes an act or being good or bad, an intrinsic quality or an extrinsic judgment? Three, can religious truths be defended rationally or must they be founded on faith alone? Four, which is most reliable, revelation, reason, a priori, or experience? And five, is the problem of evil a compelling disproof of God's existence? Why or why not? Um, notice each of these questions is basically a yes or no question. Uh, what attributes of God are critical to our understanding? Well, is his simplicity critical? Is his omnipotence critical? Is his omniscience critical? Is his love critical? Um, 
those are the sorts of answers that I'm looking for, stuff that we will be talking about in class. Um, is an act or being good or bad based on, one, an intrinsic quality, or two, an extrinsic judgment? Is the problem of evil a compelling disproof of God's existence? Yes or no? Um, these are all questions with sides to them. Questions that people have been arguing about for literally millennia in some cases, but questions that also have very distinct positions that you can take. And I know that in your English classes up until this point, you have been told that all sides are important and all sides are valuable and you should absolutely appreciate all sides and you know not make like wild judgments, but that's bullshit and we are doing philosophy and I expect you to take a side. Um, Life is going to be a succession of taking sides. It's time to start practicing for one. And notice that by taking sides, I'm not saying like irrationally present your case, like just bombast me until I'm like black and blue. No, I want you to back it up. I want you to make a case for your side. I want you to say the problem of evil is a compelling disproof of God's existence because all of the defenses that are presented don't stand up to scrutiny or because nobody can answer this particular key question or because um, nobody has pres presented an argument for the existence of God that is compelling and for that and since the problem of evil is itself compelling, nothing can stand up to it. Um, that's what I'm looking for. I want you to make a rational, careful, well-reasoned, and well-articulated claim, and then I want you to back it up. I want you to take a side, and I want you to back it up. Um, I want you to anticipate what other people will argue against your side, and then I want you to explain why they are wrong. Um, this is how discourse works, how it's supposed to work anyhow, and when, you know, when you're not just like throwing memes at people on the internet. Um, the goal here is to show you how an argument should be presented, how to make a compelling case for your position, how to note that a, an opinion does not necessarily have to be founded in nonsense. Um, you can make a well-reasoned argument for your opinion. And you should absolutely do that as often as you possibly can. Um, not everything is subjective. We'll talk about that later. Um, but the other trick about this is that this is a research paper. I'm going to expect you to find outside sources for this. I'm going to f expect you to find people who agree and disagree with you in the contemporary philosophical conversation. Um, when I said that these are questions that people have been debating for 2,000 years, in some cases, or more in some cases, um, they're also questions that are being discussed to this day. Like I said earlier, philosophy is about questions, not answers. We will propose answers, but we very rarely accept them until like they're beyond scrutiny anymore. Um, so as a result, all of these questions have various people arguing about them at this very moment. Um, find those people and quote their papers. Um, find those people and cite their arguments. Find those people and have them back you up. Um, that's what we mean by research. Uh, and we'll sort of talk through how that works in the coming weeks as we get closer to the assignment. Um, but the last thing that sort of throws a wrench in the works and that frequently like compounds everybody's panic um, is I'm actually gonna expect you to use the Chicago Manual of Style to compose this paper. Um, pause for gasp and screaming. Um, 
I assume that because you have been learning from your English teachers in high school, you were probably familiar with MLA. If you have been taking any science classes up until this point, you may be familiar with APA. Virtually nobody is familiar with Chicago style, which is a shame because it's like the best of the formatting styles, in my opinion. It is neat and it is elegant and it is usually the preferred style among philosophers and certain other like related branches like theology and history to some degree in some cases um we will talk about how to do chicago style so don't panic about it now panic about it later but you'll get a big primer like i do a whole video it's it's actually quite a project um and i'm very proud of it at this point because it was a lot of work last semester when i did it online um but yeah we'll talk about it i will absolutely answer questions about it like you'll get sick of Chicago style by the end of this. Um, so don't panic about it now. Uh, just keep it in the back of your mind and maybe take the opportunity to practice Chicago style on your response papers and your analysis paper if you so desire. Um, those papers do not require Chicago style, but I encourage you to use it anyway where appropriate because it's good practice and it'll prepare you better for when the research paper rolls around. Um, other than that, we have the final exam at the end of the semester. Not entirely sure how I'm going to be working that out yet. Um, I dislike the use of proctors. It's just weird. Um, but as a rule, my exams tend to be tricksy enough that you can't like Google search your way to a solution anyway. Um, last semester, for example, I definitely had a student try to plagiarize the final exam. Like all of the answers to the short answers were like clearly plagiarized and I tracked them all down and I gave her a zero. Um, it was sort of a bad situation. Um, these, but these things happen. Um, the final exam is sneaky enough is what I want to say that I can probably do it without a proctor. Um, so by all means, like prepare for it. We'll talk about that one more, but you know, that's not something you don't, you have to worry about until like mid December. Um, so no big deal on that one. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is attendance and participation. Um, I mentioned before that my attendance policy basically means like show up to the, to the canvas conference sessions um, lest you lose a couple points on your on your final grade. Um, this is where those points will come from. 10% um, of your final grade is the attendance and participation score and I divide it neatly down the middle five points for attendance, five points for participation. Um, and this is frequently just like me tallying up attendance points and calling it a day and just like sticking a number from one to ten on that uh, block on your grade. Um, so this is literally like the last 10 points that will get factored into your final grade. Um, now attendance, again, is fairly straightforward. You miss two sessions, then I'm not going to dock anything. You miss three, you're going to lose a point. You miss four or five, you're going to lose more points until like you've missed half of them and then I'm failing you because you didn't show up to anything. Um, so just like make sure that I know why you're missing class. Um, like, don't worry about it if it's just one or two times, but um, after that, make sure that I know why you can't make it to class or I will start uh, docking points. Um, but as for the participation side of this, um, again, there are five points for participation, and basically all I'm asking for is just show up and ask a substantive question or make a substantive comment every time that we have class. Um, like, every Canvas conference you show up to, like make sure that you get your two cents in and you will get a perfect score on participation. I'm not looking for you to like dominate the conversation, although we will probably have students who do that. Um, I'm just looking for you to contribute. 
Um, say something thought-provoking. Um, ask a question that gets the class talking. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. Um, and if you do that every class, you'll get a perfect five. But if you're a wallflower and you don't want to do that, that's fine. You can still do well on that section. Just make sure that you're in touch with me at the very least. Um, even if you're only contributing once or twice, like over the course of the semester, that's fine. Just make sure that you and I are on the same page. Uh, meet with me for office hours, send me emails, um, talk about the paper with me. If I know that you're putting in the effort, if I know that you're plugged in, you will get a good grade on the participation score and it won't be a huge deal. Um, now the last thing on the syllabus is the schedule. Um, and you will find the schedule is duplicated on the uh, Canvas modules page. Um, as I stress, that's where you should basically live as far as this class is concerned. It has all of your assignments, all of your readings, organized by date, by week. Um, it should be extremely handy and extremely helpful. Um, but that said, if you do have any questions, if you are still like completely in the dark after listening to this lecture, just let me know. Send me an email, talk to me, um, send me a message on Canvas, um, set up a time to meet on Discord and we'll have office hours. Um, we'll figure this out. My goal is to help you through this. Um, and I don't want you to panic or freak out. Like there's enough to freak out about right now. Um, I am going to try and make this process as painless as possible for everyone, including you who are listening to this immediately at this moment. Um, so just reach out, get in touch, like make a connection, introduce yourself, tell me your name, tell me what you like to do when there's not a virus preventing you from going outside your door. Um, as long as I've got that connection, as long as we have like broken that ice, then we can have a straightforward conversation about what this class is going to look like and I can help you um, don't again feel like you need to look smart in this situation by all means ask questions make mistakes look dumb just talk to me about it and you'll get way farther in this class than you would like pretending that everything is fine when it's all on fire um, so with that in mind I hope that this goes well um, I hope to have fun. I hope to blow your mind a couple of times. I take a special pride in that as a philosophy professor. Um, next week, we will be looking at a couple of videos. Um, you will see on the modules page, there is a like video playlist from Wisecrack. Pick one of those videos and watch it. They're all on various pop culture things like Christopher Nolan movies or you know Batman movies or... Um, all sorts of interesting things. Um, pick one, watch it, see how philosophy is sort of like worked into the stuff that you are familiar with, and then come prepared to talk about it next week for our Canvas conference. Um, and then there are a couple of videos on fallacies and reasoning um, to look over, which I will primarily be discussing in my lecture on Monday. Um, so be sure to listen to that as well. And this is it. This is our class. So do your readings, listen to the lecture, and show up on Wednesday and get into the habit of doing that for the rest of the semester because that's what it's going to look like. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you soon.